This week, I'm going to dive into the meta of audience building. It's something I obviously study and practice quite a bit. And I think that anyone who's serious about content and personal branding and personal growth should also study seriously. And one of the best conversations I heard recently about audience building and how you get off the ground and then get to the next level came from Copyblocker, which is ironically a very inconsistent podcast for me. Sometimes it's got gold, sometimes it's just miscellaneous crap. But this one was an experiment between two of the co-hosts that I really enjoyed. And I tried to cut it down, but I couldn't. So you're going to have to listen to a two-part 20-minute special today. So the first part is about getting off the ground. So maybe the most important thing is just taking enough shots where you're going to be able to see what works and what doesn't work. Because um, for for every best-selling book that a titan like Tim Ferriss puts out, there's like there's literally a TV show out there somewhere that is that did not work, and he's still testing it and still trying it. So that like um, t- tenacity or, or kind of stick to itiveness, I think is probably the most important takeaway, and just learning to be okay with a certain level of failure, because um, it's not always going to work. But when you find those things that do there's like an asymmetric upside and that can be enough to launch your entire career on. Yes. And I just got finished reading um, the psychology of money. And there was a big section in that book. It was called uh, tales you're it. And the idea was just that the it's, it's the 80, 20 rule, right? It's the Pareto principle. And like this law is everywhere. It's, it's, it's 20% of the stars in the universe hold 80% of the mass, you know, like in the Amazon rainforest, right? Like 20% of the trees get 80% of the sunlight. And this is everywhere in humanity. And I mean, we, we talk about it all the time with the rich getting richer, right? But I have found it to be the case with me as well. When you talk about taking a lot of shots, um, it's almost always the case. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back to this book where, uh, the one or two things that you do is going to provide like the mass, mass of uh, the, excuse me, not mass, the majority of the results of the income or, or whatever it is that you're aiming for. So, so what's, what, what's the lesson in here then with creator economy? Is it just like make more, right? Because I, I've seen a bunch of different instances where like that doesn't necessarily work. Um, is the lesson like be super methodical this also reminds me of a book um what's that guy's name jim collins it was good on purpose he had a a lesson called uh shoot bullets and then cannonballs it was like take a million different shots everywhere make sure you know what's gonna hit and then when it hits shoot like throw your whole wad at it right um yeah how do we figure that out like what's the lesson i so i love that i've never heard that analogy before but i really love it because it um, resonates with my own experience in this. So I guess to give people a little background, I mentioned you know, I'm a professional writer these days, but for my entire life, I've, I've, I had wanted to be a writer and had no idea how to pull it off, right? Um, Isn't that really fucking cool to be able to say that? It is. It, I, yeah. pinch my, I, I literally daily, if not <laughs> I know, <me> hourly, <laughs> think about how, how cool it's, it's a huge privilege. Um, but over those years, uh, I think I spent a lot of time wondering how do I break into this? How do I find my thing? How do I sort of start building reputation? And to be honest, I burned a lot of time because rather than taking shots, 
I was trying to kind of figure out the equation first. And so I was like, well, you know, I want, it's gotta be perfect. And I just, I don't want to waste a bunch of time doing something that's not going to work out. Then I became an employee of a content company. And so it was no longer possible for me to procrastinate. I had deadlines, I had to hit them. And uh, there were certain expectations that I was sort of like, quote unquote, taking shots, right? Where you're publishing every week, you have to share stuff on social. And um, in that process, here's what happened for me. I tried a lot on Twitter, not a lot, but like probably 10 to 20 different things early on. I would share little stories uh, or from YouTube that I liked. And there was no real unifying theme behind any of it. I was just sharing stuff, sharing stuff, sharing stuff. And then all of a sudden one thing hit and you know it when it happens. Yeah. So this is what I tell people now when they're like asking, you know, what should my niche be? This is a thing that comes up with the newsletter topic all the time. Early on, I think the best thing you can do is what you said. You try a lot because here's the thing. When it works, you're going to know it. It is not, it's not like you're going to accidentally go by the niche. When it hits, you're going to know it. What happened for me is I ended up writing a thread about how newsletters work based on some research that I've been doing for several months through my job. And it got retweeted like crazy, uh, almost 2000 likes. I think my follower count grew by, you know, like, I don't know, one or 2000 people over the course of a couple of days. So I went from basically complete obscurity to there was a very, very clear signal that people wanted this and wanted more of it. And then you need to know, I think, two more things. When that happens, that's your thing. Double down on it, even yeah. if you're not super passionate about it, right? Yeah. Because the most important thing is not necessarily that you're following your passion. It's that like you're known for something and that yes. you're delivering value on that thing. And related to that, I would say this is like a message that Jack Butcher has shared a bunch of times. It was really helpful for me. Um, also, uh, Alex Garcia, who I, was a colleague of mine here at The Hustle and is, is just like crazy good at marketing. Um, and you've actually said this recently too. So once you find that thing, you need to find like a hundred ways to say it over and over and over again and not get sick of saying it over and over and over again, because that's really what you're doing. Sharing the message one time is not the goal. Uh, the goal is to share the message a hundred times in a hundred slightly different ways. And I think one of the ways that Jack Butchers said it is like, you know, the, like the difference between people who succeed in being creative on the web and those who don't, it's like the people who succeed are able to stick with the boredom of just saying the same thing over and over and over again in a slightly different way. And I never knew that up front. So those are kind of the three things. Try a lot. When it hits, you're going to know it. You're not going to accidentally overlook the thing that hits. It's going to grab you by the shirt. And then once you do that, double down on it because that's what's working and say it over and over and over again, even when you're bored of it. And this is something that I've actually struggled with too. So anybody who looks at my Twitter will see it's not I don't publish very often, um, but I have stayed inside that topic for the most part ever since March of this year. Yeah. What would you What would you add to that? I see you Man, nodding here. So just you, you totally nailed it. Like one of the most we haven't talked about this on our episode. I think just because a lot of times people are interested in my story, right? Because it's just a little bit unique. But like I, I swear to you, 
maybe top three most impactful moments of my life was when I heard um, the interview with Seth Godin for the first time before I even knew who he, who he was. And at the very end, he said, start a blog, don't tell anybody about it and write in it every day. And it's still the thing that I tell everybody else to do because if it weren't for that random ass blog of me writing about the most like random things, super obscure. Like I remember writing a blog post about how to make the perfect peanut butter and jelly once I write a blog post about my dog, like obviously about getting sober. And then, and then just through, I don't know what it is, serendipity or, or the force of the universe, whatever people just started flocking to me about like, damn, I, I'm feeling some of those same things. Like that was my thing. Um, and it can be anything like that's such the cool thing about the internet is that whatever it is you're into, no matter how weird or random or esoteric you think it is, like there's other people that are into it. And so um, I did not have the foresight at the time to double down on it. I kind of just got lucky that, um, that it was, it was just something I was really passionate at the time. But ironically, the mistake I made was after I was doing it for so long, I started thinking to myself, you know, there's, there's gotta be, I don't know, it's probably an ego thing, right? Where you think like, there's, there's more to it than that. Like I'm more creative than this. I can do something more. Um, and I've very, very rarely seen that work. Like if Justin Timberlake can't reinvent himself as a writer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so that's a difficult thing for people. I think it's a difficult thing to, it's, it's actually one of the reasons why, and I think this is actually kind of a good segue when we talk about creator economies. Okay. So message received, try everything. And then once you've tried everything and you found something that works, what do you do then? I think the second part is actually the gold. This is the original clip that I really wanted to clip on, but I thought the first part was essential understanding. One of the reasons why I recommend people start with like their personal name and then switch over to a brand that isn't affiliated with them, because it's hard for me, Tim Stoddard, to talk about this one thing because I'm into so many different things, but it's very, very easy for like Stasi internet marketing or like copy blogger to just be about this one thing. And then I always have the freedom to just do whatever I want, you know, on my blog or on Twitter or something. And I oh. think that that might be one of the reasons why sometimes we see this hit and then sometimes we see it miss. That's fascinating. That's a really good tip. I had never thought about it that way, but that is something that I've struggled with in the past. I mean, I mentioned I uh, went through you know, 29 years of procrastination. And there was some creation inside of that. But one of the questions I always used to ask myself, and I don't know if anybody else uh, I, like identifies with this, but I would go back and forth in my mind over whether I should write under my name or a pen name or a brand name. And even just a simple question like that is enough to stop somebody who isn't quite sure what the next step is. Uh, so I love that concept of starting under your personal name until you kind of find something that hits. And then after it hits consistently enough and you've generated enough around it, you've got the basis for a brand and products that go with that brand and stuff like that. I think that's really smart. Thanks. Um, totally accidental. <laughs> right. And, and really the reason why I figured it out is because, you know, this sounds like such a first world problem, but I have agonized in my mind about like, how do I do this? I'm a writer. Like I have timstods.com and like, I know that I should just be about something, but you know, sometimes I want to write about my workouts and sometimes I run a, write about the traveling that I did with my wife. Right. Um, 
And so, yeah, like such a first world problem, but I've agonized about this thing. Like, how do I separate them so that I can have my creative freedom and also participate in the financial gains of the creator economy as well? And so that's, that's what I came up with. And that's actually why I created the Substack that you and I talked about last time we were on here, because I figure I have my blog. I got timstots.com. I can write about whatever the hell I want. And if anybody is interested in seeing like the behind the scenes of, of me and like how I build my business and live my life, then they can subscribe on this other thing, which if people came to it for the first time, wouldn't even know it was me. And, uh, and I think that's a, a pretty good formula for people that are just starting out because you can't bypass that experimentation section, you know, because the, one of the worst things that can happen is you say like, this is it. I know this is it. And you put everything into it. And then like, most likely it's not going to work just because that's how it works. So, um, yeah, I, I stumbled across it accidentally, but I do think that's a good formula. Yeah. I like that a lot. I want to piggyback on one other thing too, for anybody who hasn't experienced this yet. Um, you mentioned sort of like in those early days, people start to flock to you. Actually, I, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but here, so Here's what happened for me. And I think it's important to talk about this because this is, I think is something that I was getting wrong in the beginning. It's something that a lot of people get wrong early on, which is the concept of like, where do those early followers come from? I think there's a notion that if you create something that's cool enough, like people, and you put it out in the world, people are going to come. And that is almost true. But here's the reality. The, the, The real thing that happens early on is, you need to get your work in front of somebody who's got more influence than you because all those people who come, they come from somebody else's recommendation early on. And, um, uh, Andrew Chen and their team over at, uh, reforge, they talk about this in a really cool way. So reforge for anybody who hasn't heard of it, it's a, like a community and they've got a whole bunch of kick-ass classes about like product creation and, uh, building and stuff like that. One of the things that they talk about in their growth course is how basically every platform develops its audience by siphoning it from every other platform. So when Airbnb first started, they had to post listings on Craigslist in order to get in front of people who were like already there because you don't, you don't, have, you don't have any audience. And so as a creator, um, you're obviously not siphoning from other people proactively, but what you're trying to do is show the people who currently have influence that you are good enough to highlight, right? Like this person knows what they're talking about. This person's got interesting ideas worth sharing. And like, I think that's an important distinction because, yeah, because it changes the way that you go about building in the early days. It's not about making the most noise. It's about like showing the most competence and um, showing up again and again and again and again. And I got lucky because it was my job to show up every day uh, for quite a while. Um, but for anybody who's kind of doing this on your own, and you can go on Twitter, you can see this happen. I mean, lots of people, at least in the tech and business space, have sort of decided that they're going to do something like a Twitter 100, where they show up and they write a useful tweet thread for 100 days in a row. And in the process of going through that consistency, they will start to get attention from people. And it's super small at first, but then a handful of people who are already dialed in will stumble across the thread and they might say, oh, this is interesting. And then they see that person 
post again. And it's like, okay, they're really, they're taking this seriously. And after a little while, and it's very quick, you watch this happen all the time, they start to get retweeted. Uh, and I guess that is a long way of saying your early audience, at least this is my experience, is going to come from people who've already built their audience. It's not, it's not about being the loudest. It's about convincing those other people that you have something that's worth pointing to. And I'll just button this up with one last. So this is um, a reminder that I keep on my desk here. There's actually a frame. I don't know if I, for anybody who's nice. not on the video, there's a frame. I keep a, a frame on my desk and it just says, uh, earn it. And the reason I did that was because early on, like it's very intoxicating. When I first started doing these Twitter threads and they sure. started working, it's like hundreds of people start following you every single day. And it's really easy to fool yourself. At least it was easy for me to fool myself into thinking this is because I'm awesome. And like, <laughs> I should have this attention. And uh, I, I realized in those early days, like, because this, the contrast was so stark between what had happened when I was just sharing my ideas and what had happened when these really great people started retweeting my ideas. I was like, look, you, this is kind of the internal dialogues. Like you're not special. You have, you have good ideas, but the reason that you're growing is because other people are supporting you. So earn it, earn that trust, earn that, that reputation. Um, and I guess that's been my experience. So I hope that's helpful for anybody else who's here. It's like, that's where the early people come from is somebody else. Uh, what did you, did you have anything related yeah, to that? I, or mean, similar I, I, experience? Think, I just think that we, we, cracked it man <laughs> like i don't know talking through this i mean so what was it it was basically like create about everything you know it was find the hit like it'll happen it really will it'll always happen if you do enough if you create enough like somehow some way something will just take off i don't know how i know that that happens but it definitely will can I, can I pause you there for something? Cause I just read this. This was not my idea, but I just read this the other day and this like blew my mind. So that, how will it happen thing? Uh, I think it's Julian Shapiro. Is that, a, am I getting that name right? Yeah. He's got like the blue and white type website. I think it's, I think it's him. Yeah. yeah. Who, who said, so this is how it happens. Content that is uh, what he calls counter content. Counter content comes in two flavors, counterintuitive and counter narrative. Counterintuitive is the kind of story that gets people to say, I never realized that's how the world works. And counter narrative is the kind of content that gets people to say, that's not the way I was told the world works. Uh -huh. What I love about this framework is like, I think all the stories that have worked the best for me fall into one of these two categories. Like when I wrote about newsletters and it really started working, the reason that was popular is because there weren't a lot of people inside the newsletter world or the media world who were really opening up about the nuts and bolts of this. And so I think that it fell into that like counterintuitive framework where it's like, oh, I never realized this is how people think about this. Here's the model that they're using right now. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to pause because you were on a roll there, but like that how it happens when you're taking a lot of shots if you can make them fall into one of these two buckets of counterintuitive or counter narrative, I think you're increasing your odds of hooking people's attention. I totally do as well. I'm, I, I'm still on my place here, but now after you saying this, this is blowing my mind, even before 
you put that one tweet thread that I made on local media companies in the hustle. That was by far like the most successful thing that I've ever created outside of blogging. Right. And the reason why, at least from this standpoint, is that it's so counterintuitive because I would argue that I'm one was one of the first people that presented like a different model to create businesses around local media because local media newspapers are dead, right? Like how many times have we heard that? But through experimentation, I've just found other better ways to build local media businesses. Um, and, you know, I write threads all the time and I basically publish them and I expect them to flop. And I, for whatever reason, that one took off. And then you put it on the newsletter and it really took off. But like you wouldn't have found it if it didn't take off in the first place, you know? So, um, so we will keep that in there. So start from one, create a bunch of stuff Two, find the thing that hits it hits because it's either counterintuitive or counter narrative. And then when it does double down, and then once you double down, you basically have to siphon from other people. I mean, did, it, did we just like figure this thing out? This is, this is amazing. We're going to put this episode behind a paywall. Something. Like $300 to figure it out. And that's it. You can hear in their voices. They think they've cracked the code of content creation and maybe not, but also it's a good enough roadmap that I definitely endorse that I think I'm going to try more and more myself.